0: I'm John Polstra. And I'm Greg Monteith. And this week, we're here to talk about second opinions. But what that means, I have no idea. So, (laughs) (laughs) talking to my friend Greg here, he says he's uh, needing some input from me on getting second opinions on things. And that's kind of about all I know, except that it sounds like your wife was reading a book and was asking you for a second opinion on a book she was reading similar to the way that I asked a second opinion on not a fan and just thus the genesis of our weekly chats here together. So give us some more background and then ask away.
1: You were so on the money. I, I, the way you kind of started off that introduction, I thought, Oh man, I've really kind of blindsided John. I dropped a few random and incoherent thoughts. No, but I think that makes for better
0: discussion sometimes.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'll tell the story and, uh, it, it was one of those, you know, it's late at night and my spouse wants to just talk to me about <laughs> late at night, that, like, shouldn't have an argument after a certain time or <laughs> like, shouldn't even be
0: discussing and planning stuff after a certain time, right?
1: <laughs> I yeah. can tell she's a little troubled, but but I didn't get the full scope of it until we're into it. And she's got this book, which, uh, by the way, I, I, I do think we should uh podcast on this book, I think it is my number one top book. Your number one keeps changing. <laughs> I, I know, but you got to believe if I'm replacing it with another one, this one's got to be even better. So the book is uh, The Good and Beautiful God by James Bryan Smith, I believe. Um, I can look that up and to be sure. But Anyways, uh, she uh, is reading this book as part of uh, a women's discussion group. Uh, it's the book that they're focusing on. And she began to read to me parts of the text, parts of its it, the text of this book. And we got into a bit of a discussion. And um, it it just struck me as we were going along that what Susan, my spouse, was doing was just Pretty much the same thing that, that, that you had done. I mean, I don't know how long ago this was now. I, I, two years ago, more, with our first conversations about not a fan. 2012?
0: Yeah, yeah. so I think. Two and a half years, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and and it, it just occurred to me that w- what she was doing and what you were doing, at least this is the terminology I would put on it, as it seemed very simply like you're both looking for a second opinion, that something was being presented as, you know, this is Christianity. Or interestingly, in both cases, this is how you fix your Christianity. This is how you make it better or true or real. This is how it will work better. And both you and Susan to these two different books had a very similar response, which was, this doesn't seem like it's right. It seems like it's wrong. And it seems uh, like there are some big problems with this. But I'm having problems or difficulty putting my finger on the issue and articulating it. And I guess I would love to know what you think about this idea, about second opinions. And and a, a couple of thoughts that occurred to me essentially were, what is a second opinion? What does it mean to be a Christian and get a second opinion on your faith or something really crucial about your faith? And how do you how do you figure out whether that opinion how do you assess it? How did you determine if, if it's if it's legitimately a valid opinion? That's so, a good
0: point. I don't think I've done that with you.
1: Well, <laughs> I, <laughs> I've been—I
0: went off of your second opinion for not a fan. What if you're wrong? Exactly.
1: Although you know, I'm going to put some stuff. I, I'm I'm working on a couple. It, this is turning into like a whole series of blog posts that I'm sort of putting out about. Well, how, how would you know? And I'm trying to answer some of these questions. But I would love to to ask you. You know your sense of first of all. Does this notion of getting a second opinion, does this kind of, how much does this resonate with what you were doing with Not A Fan or part of what we're doing through the podcast? I don't know. The, well, the that when
0: I hear a second opinion, I think I think of like you have a undiagnosed sickness or something and you're going to a doctor for a second opinion. Yes. Um, I don't know that I was so much going for a second opinion so much as, you know, my whole Bring order to this chaos. Bring some clarity to the confusion here. I don't get this. this. Okay. This guy's jumping all over the place. He's referencing all these Bible verses that I'm looking up in my Bible, and I don't see how he gets there. In fact, I'm even looking at some commentaries, and I, they're not supporting his position. So mm-hmm. how is it that this very popular book published by a major Christian publishing house— with endorsements by Max Lucado and other people be so, like, ridiculous? Like, how is this possible? Am I crazy? Are they crazy? Are we both crazy? Like, what is... This doesn't make sense to me. Help me make sense of this. So I guess you could say that's getting a second opinion. Um, I don't know. For some reason, that term doesn't totally resonate with me, but I don't I don't know that it matters.
1: Okay. Well, no, It's good. To, it's good to hear that, because, yeah, I mean, we've just finished talking about... Your um, uh, mission statement and how, you know, ordering chaos and uh, clarifying confusion are really kind of the, the, the sort of the key areas that you're focusing on. I guess my thought about this whole idea of second opinion is... Are you thinking there's something in Christianity that says you can't get a second opinion? Like that's oh, very against much. the rules? In the church? Oh, very much. Okay, but maybe very you're going much. somewhere else. No, 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 I am, but I want to stick here with you for a minute because I think... I think that, that what I'm looking at here, when you're talking about ordering chaos and bringing clarity to confusion, I think what that assumes when I hear that, when I hear you say that and when you give some examples in your work life of having done that, I think that's what the, paint, the picture that's, that's painted for me is that you have a degree of expertise already in some of these areas, right? Because you're able to do that. And so maybe what I'm helping with, or what I helped with with not a fan, is bringing some clarity to some of that confusion, bringing some of that order. But I wonder if the initial process wasn't about saying, hey, you know what, this doesn't work. I need another way of seeing this. I need another set of eyes on this. And this second set of eyes thing is what I'm really kind of focusing in on. Because...
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think when I showed you not a fan i don't think i expected you to say well john actually let me help you show let me show you how this works he's actually right on <laughs> he's actually got it all that. figured out and it's yeah you really do need a little dope slap so here let me <laughs> <Dope slap. laughs> let me uh let me walk you through how you know you need to learn to empty yourself better like uh. yeah now grant now granted maybe Maybe that was, you know, some confirmation bias. You know, I, I only... I, Yeah, although I went to some other people that, that maybe held more traditional views, and they also had problems with it too. So, uh-huh. but I think what was most helpful about your approach was I felt like we were really able to get to the... So when I talked to other people about it, they're like, yeah, something just... Something's a little too over the top, or yeah, the... Yeah, that's a little kind of ridiculous. When I talked to you, it was more like, well, yeah, it's ridiculous for these five reasons and these three things don't work and this doesn't make any sense at all. In fact, you can't find any examples in normal life that would be any, you know, analogous to whatever is being described here. So, of course,
1: this Mm -hmm. is ridiculous. So, we kind of got, we kind of dug into it and and really kind of itemized and clarified and yeah yeah but i mean
0: i don't know i i feel like like do i have expertise i don't know i feel like i'm just kind of there's something like another word i really like is coherence Mm. like something is coherent it's it's internally consistent with itself it makes sense all the way through right and yeah i don't know so i i think i've Tend to now some of the, you know flashback more career stuff like earlier in my career I was in a a uh, bank auditor and then a CPA and you're mm-hmm. constant but at that level you're doing it on a numbers level you know you've got the financial statements It's like do these financial statements when you put all the stuff going on like does this all make sense or mm-hmm. do we need to make some adjustments or do we have some you know something that's not fully supported over here, and if you tweak that, you know, amount on the balance sheet, what's it going to do to the income statement or statement of cash flows or, you know, whatever. So, I don't right. know, maybe maybe some of that was just kind of early training of uh, seeing the big picture. That was another interesting part to at least public accounting was I can remember being on clients where, you know, we would have like a materiality threshold of... I don't know, maybe a million dollars. So, like, okay. if we found like a hundred thousand uh, dollar error in a in a, recon- in a bank reconciliation, we wouldn't even do anything about it. So like, Yeah, we're just like, oh, it's immaterial, because you're talking about a company with a balance sheet in the billions of dollars, and so the fact wow. that there's a hundred thousand dollar error, it's not even one percent of that total asset balance. So it's like, yeah, we might make a note of it just to say yes, we saw this and it's here. And we would collect those as we would go sometimes and then sum them all up at the end to say, okay, here's a list of all the discrepancies we found. Mm -hmm. Even when you add up all the discrepancies we found, it's not material. Where material is uh, that changing this amount would sway a reasonable person's opinion or something like that. It's been so long since I was in that world. But that was kind of the idea was that, you know, if you're looking at a balance sheet that's, say, $10 billion, $10 billion... $100,000, what's the difference between that and just $10 billion? Like, nothing.
1: Right. Well, I I like that that point you made about, you know, if changing this number or inflating or deflating that number would change a reasonable person's perspective on the matter. Yeah, a reasonable
0: person, I, I know I'm getting the terminology wrong, but it was just kind of the, you know, a reader of the financial statements, you know, would... Would this be significant to change their mind or in, in how they view this company or decision they might make? Mm hmm. Mm
1: hmm. Well, and I, and I guess this is what I'm kind of diving into a little bit with this notion of second opinion because I think there there's two things going on here. On the one hand, you're reading this book, right? There was Susan? some
0: material misstatements. <laughs> <What>? Yeah, no, <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Yeah, it, meant, it totally meant my. It wasn't like, oh, he got this one verse wrong. It was like every
1: single verse was wrong. Okay. And Susan's got the same thing going on with this book, right? She's she's she 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 read three or four paragraphs, and and I picked up on stuff that she wasn't even hitting on, and she and she had a ton that she was hitting on already. You know, so there's loads of stuff that was just, oh, this is really problematic. And so on the one hand, I guess there's this ability to distinguish or sense that something's amiss without having like some of that maybe accounting or auditorial acumen, right? Being an auditor, being able to go in there in, in the case of looking at balance sheets and financial statements and being able to say, okay, well, actually, yeah, here's what's going on. Here's why. Here's where it's out. Here's what seems to have caused that. And maybe even talk about, I don't know, the implications. So I guess what what's striking me about this whole thing is that it seems to me that this, I, I'm calling it getting a second opinion, right? Uh, this process of In this particular case, with both you and Susan, you both had a book in your hands, and you both actively made two choices. One is you kept reading beyond the first one or two. You know, I'm not sure where you got to in your your material threshold. I'm not sure when you hit that threshold. How early in the book would you say you did that?
0: Probably within the first few chapters, I started to say, yeah, I don't know if this is gonna help me. I don't know. And then, in certain places where, probably within the first three or four chapters, some places where it got really wacky,
1: mm-hmm. I
0: just started. I opened a Bible and I said, "Okay, here's the reference for this." You know, I, as I recall, there was a reference for each chapter in the book, and then sometimes okay. there would be little references for points that he was trying to make. And I just started looking those up, and right. then they just started. To me, failing a basic intelligence test. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, like this doesn't work. Where are you getting this? No, you're driving an agenda. You're not telling me what it's really going on here. So it wasn't coherent. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't coherent. And yeah, I'm liking this idea that the, the to me the misstatements were were material and they were cumulative, and it wasn't just a one off. Like I said, he just got one little part wrong and the rest of it really made sense. It's like, no. this, And, and then you pointed this out, that it was just, it became just this big, huge house of cards.
1: Yeah. Because it sounds like you both, both you and Susan had the assumption going into the book, there was a degree of openness because you wouldn't have picked it up, a degree of interest because you wouldn't have, you know, read past the first line or two. So you were kind of, you know, open enough and interested enough to, to, to read it. And on top of that, there was the assumption, I guess, of some form of knowledge on the part of the author, fairness. Well, and I assume it's true. This is really
0: funny. But I assume that because it's a published book mm. by not some random publisher, I think that one's by Zondervan. I there's, think so. There's like, I don't know, There's, I just kind of have this inherent assumption slash trust that that it's true, that it's well put together, that it that mm-hmm. it makes sense. Maybe that, it, well, I guess I read plenty of books by big publishers that weren't well put together, but I just, yeah, I, I assume that, I assume it has a certain
1: level of credibility that warrants reading it. Right. And so why, once you got to your threshold, and you maybe got a certain way past that, I mean, you had the obvious choice of putting the book down. Well, I'd promised
0: someone that I'd read it, so Ah <laughs> I felt enough okay. I promised I promised someone um, that I would read it and that I would read it all the way through and that I would try to remain open minded. Yeah, if if I had just picked it up at the library or something, I probably would have gotten about a third of the way through and then been like, Nah, I don't think so. And and interestingly, other people I talked to that tra- that started to read the book in fact I don't know yeah, I don't know if any of the people I talked to that had the book, if they ever finished it. I think Ryan. some of them got like halfway through and were just like, yeah, yes, isn't doing it for me. And then they just moved on because they didn't have any real reason to keep reading.
1: Okay. And I want to focus on the reason to keep reading and I want to focus on that whole process of reaching your material threshold and, you know, how, how that impacts you. I guess that's where I'm kind of going with this. Susan was in this. I'll just let you know just to kind of follow up on that point about why did you keep reading? Why did she keep reading? She was in the same spot. She had made a commitment to a group of people and she was going to get together with them the very next morning oh, no. about the first chapter or two of this book. So she just picks it up in the evening after she's helped our younger daughter with her homework. And so oh, she's no. a little tired and then she gets <laughs> you like, know <laughs> broadsided. And I like your point, too, about, you know, I guess you're saying for the other people that they did, you know, when we're talking about not a fan, the other people who tried to read it probably put it down likely because they didn't have some way of, of going deeper or because it, they didn't have any and they didn't have anything compelling them to read it. Well, and maybe also they weren't compelled by the presentation. Now, granted, mm-hmm. there's plenty
0: of other people, if you want to look at Amazon reviews. <laughs> oh, yeah. That thought it was that, that were <laughs> compelled to read until the very last sentence.
1: yes. Yes.
0: So but, but, I don't know what you do with that, but if you're asking about my experience, that's what I can most talk about.
1: Okay. No, I, and I'm, and I, that's what I want to know your experience on the one hand, and I don't want to discount the five star reviews, but I don't think we have to, you know, swallow the whole elephant here. I, I don't think we have to deal with that, and with the the kind of focus that I've got at the same time, I think we can do those in steps. So the first thing that I wanted to focus on is this idea then of. If something doesn't jive for you, and I guess what I would say is common between you and Susan is there was a certain commitment to following through with something that didn't work for you in terms of a presentation of Christianity or something that had an impact on your belief system or was challenging your belief system or was trying to kind of uh, insinuate itself kind of – make its way into your belief system and say, hey, I'm legitimate, I belong in the things that you believe. And you had this, you both had this commitment. And something that strikes me is that very often, maybe not very often, but in the situations where we're really needing, I guess, this sort of second opinion where I was, you know, as well with my church, is that I had this, I had, the stakes were so high. You know, and I like that you brought out the whole medical thing because that's exactly what I'm thinking about. And and of course I'm a bit of a an anomaly maybe not from my context but from an American context I am because I'm Canadian. So my is free. You know, it's not free but So whatever. do you ever get a second opinion? Canadians <laughs> don't do this. This is what? so interesting. No, they don't. <laughs> Why not? They don't. Because it's just not something we do. It's like, is not, it not really disrespectful a done thing. or Yeah, kind of. It's just I don't know, it's it's not really a done thing, you know. Uh When Canadians go to the hospital, you're triaged. So you could go in there with, I don't know, a broken bone or something, and you might sit there for an hour. Maybe not a broken bone, but I don't know, something's gone wrong. You might sit there. I've sat in the hospital emergency rooms for three hours because there are people that come in who might come in after me who've got a more serious situation and they get seen first. Yeah, that happens here. Does it? Oh, yeah. But I couldn't go someplace, for example, and get seen right away. I just...
0: No, not an emergency room. No. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I spent my fair amount of childhood in the emergency room. You've done did, it too. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was just, yeah. If
1: you go to emergency, you just plan to be there for hours. Well, here, here's an interesting thing. I, I We were talking. I think, I'm not sure if my spouse was talking or if it was me who had the situation. It wasn't my own medical situation, but, but a, either a parent or a relative. And I was talking with a friend of mine who's an epidemiologist. So he's a medical researcher. And the situation was, uh, you know, it required a specialist's attention. And my friend knew the specialist. And he said, you know, I'd I'd probably think again about what you've been told. And I said, why is that? And he said, well, I, I know where he's gone to school. And I know where he's done all his training. And he trained in the U.S. And the thing about the United States is procedures, specifically diagnostics, they're very quick to recommend them. Because the you know the consumer will pay, the healthcare will pay. Whereas in our system here in Canada, they're very there can be more reticent. So there's good things and bad things, right? You might get somebody who's just too reticent here. You you should really get that. You should really get a CT scan on that. You're going to have to go see somebody about that, Greg. Versus, oh, maybe somebody's too quick to recommend something. So he had information and background about some of these people that I would never have had, and about some of the procedures in general that I would never have had. So he was able to say to me, you may need a second opinion here. And I was completely unaware of that. And I guess this is the kind of tie-in that I want to make in terms of Christianity. How do we know when we need a second opinion? You said that your kind of material threshold was reached in the book. There were so many things that weren't coherent. Um, you know, and Susan, I'll let her kind of, maybe we can bring her in at some point and she can kind of talk That'd to be some really cool. things. Yeah, I'd like to do that. Um, but the 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 general sense I got was, this just doesn't work. It, it puts me in a place of minimizing who I am to the point that I am very, very unimportant. And the only thing that's important is God and the Bible. But I guess what's striking me is for a lot of people, they're in a position where I'm not sure how they would know that they needed a second opinion. And I guess the equivalent that I see is you're reading a book, and you put down that book. But what if the problem that you're experiencing is in the church? What if the problem you're experiencing is with your minister or your congregation?
0: Off the top of my head, I would say it, it has to happen at an individual level. Like something gets tripped, usually, I think. Okay. And I think, I don't know, I think a person has to have a certain level of openness and awareness mm-hmm. and interest interest in well into there being some other ways okay but and i think we've seen that in some of the comments on the website for some of the episodes where where uh, i want to say it was a comment that melinda made way back about something about you know how she had listened to something that we were talking about and then mm-hmm. had heard a sermon the next week or two later oh, at her church yeah. and was like oh I then heard what was being said and thought of it differently after the conversation that you guys had had. Right. So I would say my sense there is that in Melinda's case, she's, maybe she's not like on the same search, intense search that I'm on, mm-hmm. but she's open and curious and wondering if there's other ways. But mm-hmm. I think there is often has to be a motivation for that. As Uh, opposed to, in other words, as opposed to people that I've met who are very, and maybe it's a personality thing, I don't know, but I've met other people that are very, um, almost in the way that someone is patriotic about their country. You know, their -hmm. their country can do no wrong, and this is the best place to live, and it's kind of, they take that same approach to their beliefs. This is the Uh. way it is. This is the way it happens. God God said it and that settles it for me. You know, that's all I need to know. It's in the Bible, read it, done, check. And so my impression of a person like that is they're not really looking for any other alternatives. They've got the answers. They've got the the way it's all supposed to work. And I don't know. Sometimes those people are kind of a mystery to me because I'm like, this can't all work all the time. Like, it can't... (laughs) I have lived long enough now that it's like life is just not as black and white as I thought or was taught it was when I was younger. It's just not. Yeah. So I don't know. I Yeah. To me, I just leave that. I mean, you could go down the whole path of, oh, they're in denial and they're not being honest. I don't. Who knows? I, I just, I don't. Yeah. I don't feel comfortable making calls like that. So to me, I just leave those people as kind of, hmm, it's a question mark.
1: I don't know. Right. Well, what, what, I guess what I'm, my focus is or my thought is you and Susan are dealing with books, and the worst-case scenario is you put the book down. But if you're in a church context— yeah, you, leave and, the, you don't go to church anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, there that's kind of what happened to me. Yeah. And, and, and I'm saying for, that— For that, a that,
0: variety of reasons. But uh-huh. one, of, one of the key reasons, though, was, yeah, that particular, you know, this is what the Bible says and this is what it means to us. And, like, I don't think so. Hmm. Hmm. And there not being any room to to really have the conversation without getting the courtesy. Not like nobody would engage in the conversation with me. Of I don't think that sermon made any sense. Right. Or
1: I don't think the Bible really says that. Like no one wanted to go there with me. Okay. Let me just let me stop you. Let me ask you to put on your best imagination hat. <laughs> okay. Okay. I know the first answer is that's impossible, but (laughs) I I don't want to hear that answer. I'll hear any other answer. (laughs) I thought you were so open-minded. I know. I know. I'm kind of blocking out that one. I'm holding that. Speak to the hand on the impossible. (laughs) What if there was someone in your church or in the church's denomination or someone who was indicated as a resource whose job it was? To offer a second opinion on anything that you had related to your faith, which would include that sermon or a book you're reading in a group. And Uh, I I don't mean the pastor of the church. That's the first opinion. I'm not interested in the first opinion. I'm not disparaging it. I'm not saying it's going to be outright wrong. I'm not judging it one way or the other. And I'm not saying that you or anybody else is right or wrong in feeling uneasy about that first opinion why would
0: i not want a person like that i mean what's the trick question
1: (laughs) no okay well cool so that would (laughs) be course, you would be that person (laughs) (laughs) well not necessarily (laughs) right (laughs) not necessarily but but i guess my thought is what would happen and i know for, for if we can get beyond the the whole thing about well how on earth would that work i mean you've got a minister who's then being questioned or interrogated or not interrogated but you know what i mean like they're, they could be, yeah, be second-guessed in... almost. But if we can get away from that, if we can just say, what would it be like? That's kind of my question. What would it have been like if you could have had something like this in your church experience?
0: Yeah, it would have opened the room for all kinds of conversation, dialogue, mm-hmm. uh, exploration. It is an intriguing idea. Yeah, just the... I think I would have been more engaged. I think I would have been more like well, I don't know about that. I want to bring that up next week when the group meets as a question I have and, you know, kick Mm -hmm. it around and see if I get a better answer. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's one of those situations where, you know, hey, I want to kick this around and it gets kicked around and I realize that, you know, the commentary I was using wasn't very good. Or Mm -hmm. that there's a really, really solid explanation for the way that, you know, someone was approaching a particular passage or the message that they gave.
1: Right. How do you think you'd feel? This is, I'm, I'm blatantly a feeling question. How would you feel if you had access to this type of resource, regardless of how it turned out? Like you just offered two or three different ways it could have turned out. Like my commentary mm-hmm. wasn't that great, or there really is a good explanation, or yeah, I am still looking for a better answer. I think it would, it would give a sense of freedom. It would give a sense of uh, mm-hmm. there's,
0: I think it would set a different tone. And I, I think it would set less a tone of we're all a bunch of sheep, you know, and we're just kind of all following the same shepherd here. Like mm-hmm. I use I'm using sheep and I guess kind of a derogatory like and sometimes a lot of times when I'm in conservative Christian settings, I feel like it's just this kind of herd mentality of like, well, this is the gospel and we all believe the same thing. And, and we're just kind of all nodding our heads together because right. to to not nod your head would be problematic. Yeah. So, how, how, so to I'm me, going. I would yeah, I would see that as creating more. It would create more depth too. And more depth in what? What way? Well, in what the conversation, in the way you're exploring things, and and the way that you're
1: understanding them. Ah, sounds like more commitment too, obviously, or more ownership, even. More possibility of ownership. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, you talked about. Uh, uh, yeah, freedom, which is one of your, you know, kind of core values and, you know, ownership. And how often, I mean, it doesn't sound like very often for you, but how, have you ever heard of being in a church service or some sort of teaching environment within a church context or quasi-church context where somebody said, you know, here's what I think on this particular subject and here are a couple of other things that different people think. And here's and they may they may kind of lay, just lay them out, or they may say, "Here are those other things, and here's why I wouldn't agree with them." How often are you presented with with alternatives?
0: Not very often. Okay. I'm trying to think. I feel like I've been in settings where there were, but it's mm. been very rare. It's again, it's usually here's the verse. Here's what the verse means to us. Mm-hmm. Here's a story that proves that the verse applies to us here are three ways that you can apply it in
1: your life this week. And yet in a medical context, you wouldn't hesitate to get a second opinion.
0: Well, it depends. It depends on what it is. Maybe that's maybe that's another distinction here. Well, if, the, the, if I smash my thumb with a hammer, mm-hmm. I'm not going to consult three doctors on like whether I need stitches. <laughs> okay. Gonna, Why? Gonna, well, I'm just going to go to the emergency room and the, the chances it, of getting it wrong or messing it up are probably pretty low. Okay, Whereas if, you know, I... Some, let's say I, uh, I cut my face. I have a big gash on my forehead or something Mm -hmm. and if it doesn't get done right, I'm going to have this huge jagged scar on my forehead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm probably going to like not just go to the, you know, the closest urgent care and
1: just take whoever I get. Right. So it depends. It depends on what's at stake. Okay. Yeah. What's at stake? What the stakes are. And I guess, I guess what seems to me to be so odd in this situation, if we take this parallel back to Christianity, is that the stakes are huge. The stakes are huge, and yet the idea, you know, that you should question your minister, well, that doesn't seem like a good thing to do. But
0: the stakes aren't seen as huge because it's all obvious. All the answers are there. You either want to believe them or you don't. And if you don't want to believe them, there's something wrong with you. Ah, so it's
1: also this idea of conception. How you conceive of it, right? So if you conceive of it, like you've just put it out there, like it's obvious. Well, it's
0: obvious. You read in the Bible that the Great Commission says that, you know, you're going to go into all nations preaching the gospel and whatever else it says. That's obvious. You just need to do it. Like there's no need for interpretation, deeper understanding. I mean, it's just a command in the Bible and you need to follow all commands in the Bible. So like what's there to question or discuss?
1: You just accept it or not. Yeah. Yeah yeah and you see so this is this is another interesting thing that i guess goes together with this idea of a second opinion when it becomes more complicated and the stakes are higher when we can see that then i think we can see we'd see that that, that something like a second opinion is often crucial i mean i don't think it's just like this person or that person might need it but everybody would need it at some point on some things
0: well and that's what
1: yeah and I, and i'm thinking of nt Wright. i'm
0: still working my way through surprise by hope i think i'm a third of the way through it. continues to blow me away. And what, what gives his work credibility to me, and why it's at least passed my sniff test so far, mm-hmm. is the sweeping nature of all the different things he's pulling together to build the case for what he's presenting. Yeah. Gives me a sense that this all makes sense, and that it's important. And I, I guess, yeah, I'm not sure how that somehow that tied in in some way, but yeah, my hunch, I guess I would assert that, that the importance that in a church context, the importance of the message is just assumed to be important. Right. You don't
1: have to argue for it or,
0: but the complexity yeah, maybe this is where it's at mm. the, at the same time, the assumption of levels of complexity is that the level of complexity is fairly low. This is very simple. You want to go to heaven? You need Jesus. You need to invite him into your heart and you need to get rid of your sin so that God can be okay with you having you in his presence. And then you need to, you know, tell other people the same thing and live a good life. Now, it's I don't so know if people would agree with the good life part, but that's in other words, that's kind of the that's there's there's nothing complicated about it. They just get on board with that.
1: That's that's the message. Yeah, and yet it's so counterintuitive that it, Christianity is all about life and living life well, and it's so straightforward and easy. And yet life is, itself is so complicated. What a, what a strange combination. What is what a contradiction?
0: Well, life is complicated, but you know God also makes that easier. <sighs>
1: Oh, okay. Okay. Well, you know, I, I think this is another reason why for me, as I'm thinking about this this idea of uh, framing this as a second opinion, uh, you know, looking into what's, what is a second opinion? How would you know you needed one? How would you evaluate it or evaluate the person giving it to you? Is that I think that we need to be seeing Christianity as something, you know, you've talked about it as something that you just embrace by faith. You either accept it or you don't. And yet I would say that I'm going to obviously part of what I need to do to tie it in with, to tie in with this kind of focus on uh, second opinion. And this, the importance of this is to keep pushing the idea that Christianity is something we need to be intellectually and imaginatively engaged with. It's like this combination of a research project and a dramatic production. You know, it's a, it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. It's like life. It's complicated and involved and can be sweet and beautiful and easy, but, uh, those are, uh, those are the moments. And then there are other moments where no, uh, it's quite the opposite. So yeah, well, I, I appreciate your perspective. It it, it helps me to kind of think this through a bit, but I think that I I do think that part of what we're doing here, and, and maybe I would even say a big, the main part of what we're doing here is offering second opinions. And being able to put that out there in a way that, you know, as you talked about N.T. Wright, how he was able to knit together all these pieces that seemed disparate and he could put it into sort of a coherent and compelling story. And I think that on the one hand, that's what we want to do. And on the other hand, to say, well, here are the other options. Look into them for yourselves.
0: Thanks for listening to the Untangling Christianity podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts or questions on this episode, so leave a comment at the website, untanglingchristianity.com slash 84. We also invite you to join our private Facebook group. To receive an invitation, send an email to feedback at untanglingchristianity.com and tell us your biggest need or problem when it comes to Christianity. We'll get an invitation right out to you. Music on this podcast is made possible by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com and is licensed under a Creative Commons license. Tune in next week for a new episode.